You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You looking for an online sports book with fast payouts and easy to use interface look no further than mybookie.ag payouts in only two business days the best customer service out there the best odds and even live betting go take a look for yourself at mybookie.ag and once you figure out that it's the best sign up with promo code wce50 for a 50 percent deposit bonus that's mybookie.ag promo code wce50 I'm Gary Seegers. Catch me on Twitter at GaryWCE. And I'm Chris Giannini. Follow me at Chris B. Giannini. And this is the Winning Cures Everything podcast from winningcureseverything.com. Before we get started, please subscribe to the podcast, share it, and review it. We cannot stress how important those reviews are for iTunes rankings, so help us out. Those of us who love this sport live for nights like this. You are looking live at the Georgia Dome and this is winning cures everything now for your hosts gary and chris what up what up what up welcome in winning cures everything number 197 it is the what is today? Wednesday. Wednesday. First Wednesday in a while. Yep. Wednesday, February 21st edition of the show. On today's show, we got Zach Bingham from A to Z Sports Nashville hopping on to uh, talk Tennessee Titans, SEC basketball, and basically whatever else we feel like. Uh, so that's going to be a good time. We're going to get him in in just a minute. Uh, we're going to talk about these topics. Uh, not with him, but just uh, once once he gets off the line. Rebel Rags filed another lawsuit. We'll discuss what it means. Uh, there are three SEC basketball teams that won on the road last night, and that is not a common occurrence in this conference. So we'll talk about uh, what each one of those teams did. The Dallas Mavericks have been all over the news. They have been thrown into the Me Too movement. They, uh, there's claims of sexual assault and sexual harassment, etc. On top of that, Mark Cuban was fined $600,000 for telling a podcast that he's told his team that losing is their best option. So we'll get into that. Uh, and finally, the uh, the Bill Street Music Festival lineup was announced today, so uh, we'll discuss some of the acts that are coming to Memphis in May. Now, before we start, if you're watching on Facebook, Periscope, YouTube, wherever, uh, if you're listening to the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, wherever you're listening, your favorite podcast app, help us out, share it, retweet it, tell all your buddies about it, Help us get this thing rolling. Uh, make sure and subscribe to and review the podcast on iTunes, uh, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, Google Play. 
all of your favorite podcast apps. Uh, let's go ahead and, uh, man, it's only been two days. There's not a whole lot going on in two days, but that Dallas Maverick stuff was pretty nuts. Uh, I, I guess. Well, I'm getting Zach in. Did you do your homework last night? I did. What'd you watch? I watched, uh, it wasn't last night, was it? It was the uh, Old yeah, Miss, yeah, Miss night. Missouri game. Oh, oh, then you saw a good one. O- o- overtime? Good Tell me what you game. thought about that while I'm dialing him up. Uh, Ole Miss looked like they had some life. It looked like the players were there to kind of show, hey, maybe we d- we did quit on Andy. But uh <laughs> but but you know, we got game and and we're still here to play and and we're going to we're going to get fired up. I wonder how much momentum like that can take a team. You got me. We'll see in the tournament. That's oh, we'll definitely see that. That's I'm I'm very curious. Very very curious. But we'll we'll get it figured out. Hello? Hey Zach, what's going on, buddy? Hey man, how's it going? Oh, cannot complain. You got Gary and Chris from Winning Cures Everything here. We are uh we're live on Facebook, live on Periscope, all those wonderful things. Uh so let's go ahead and introduce you. We want to welcome in co host of A to Z Sports Nashville, uh Zach Bingham. You can follow him on Twitter at Bada underscore Bingham. Uh, read his stuff at a to z sports nashville.com or follow their show on Twitter. That's at a to z sports or on Facebook by searching a to z sports Nashville. All right, before we get into Titans, SEC basketball, etc., I got to tell you, man, like I love y'all show. So for those that don't know, Zach and his partner Austin do a daily morning show Monday through Friday on Facebook Live uh, and Periscope. It's from eight to nine a.m. Central. You can get the podcast after that at a to z sports nashville.com. Zach. Fill me in on how you and your partner started A to Z Sports. Well, first, I appreciate the kind words. I uh, really do. We also I met at a radio station here in Nashville probably about seven to eight years ago, and we were covering high school football, and I actually DM'd him on Twitter to say, hey, do you want to start a podcast? And we started that for a couple of years. Then we were on AM on Saturday mornings, and – uh, kind of worked our way up, and we were doing morning drive time here in Nashville for the ESPN affiliate uh, for a couple of years. And about a year and a half ago, we left radio because we thought that kind of the digital medium was the way to go. And we started uh, podcasting and doing Facebook Lives and simulcasting on a Periscope and kind of creating this digital media company. And it's kind of you know taken off from there, and we've, you know, got a website we try to cover the the titans and the preds and use our connections from being a credential media member for from from being in radio and you know just try to do something different that nobody else is doing and the wave of digital is is kind of going because everybody's got a phone in their pocket not everybody uh listens to the radio in their car because of bluetooth and such so we're just trying to to build it as big as we can and uh see where it takes us so, now, where, when exactly did you guys start this? We started this in July of 2016. That is, we started this, and it's about the exact same thing. It's, it's pretty close. We do a little more national base, uh, but we're based in Memphis, and, and we started in August of 2016. So, it's, oh, it yeah, is, it's definitely a really cool medium to be able to, uh, to get out, and, and I like the fact that we can talk about what we want to talk about. Like we we don't necessarily have to worry about ratings and all that, but but yeah, I'm uh, I was in in 
intrigued, I guess you could say, uh, about how you guys built it and all that. And and it's, um, I mean, it's just a, a really good show. So for all of our listeners, make sure you go check that thing out. Um, tell me this. We'll move on to the Titans. What do the Titans need from this upcoming draft? Like, I, I know John Robinson has done a, a great job rebuilding the team. Uh, what do they need to continue building? Well, I think it starts with free agency of who John Robinson is going to re-sign of his own guys. It's And the big, the big names are Avery Williamson, inside linebacker, who his contract year this past year, Wesley Woodyard honestly kind of overshadowed him uh, playing uh, above his age. Yeah, Wesley Woodyard's 32. He kind of played like he was 26. Pretty impressive. But are they going to re-sign Avery Williamson, and are they going to re-sign Daquan Jones in the middle so you know there's your defensive tackle and inside linebacker i think i think that uh, another big position that they've got to look at is demarco murray's not worth six million dollars a year that was Derek literally Henry, my next question like yeah, do, do they need Derek to find Henry a replacement to be the guy like I, I, so we know that henry will be the guy do, do they need a replacement for demarco murray like I, i'm i'm curious if if the team is young enough that the main thing that's really going to help them is, is time and, and, of course, re-signing the free agents like you just talked about. Uh, but, but chemistry, you know, they they got to keep building the chemistry. But, I mean, they, they need to find another back that can take some carries off of Henry, right? Yeah, they do. And, and DeMarco Murray brings you the, the pass-blocking ability, which I think is big. And that's the risk that you're going to take is you're hoping that Derrick Henry improves on that pass-blocking ability. And if you move away from Murray and you draft a guy, because this draft is really, really deep in running backs. I mean, oh, from yeah. the Sony Michels of the world, I mean, you got Saquon Barkley, which he'll, he'll be gone in the first five picks. But, you know, all the way down to John Kelly of Tennessee, I mean, Bo Scarborough, I mean, they have a – there's a lot of running backs. Can you rely on a rookie running back – to carry the load as that second, that number two, I, I think that that's the risk that John Robinson is going to have to take to, to save some money because I don't, I just don't think that DeMarco Murray, I mean, he's 30 years old in the age of a running back. You know, it's short. Now you, you are so right about that. I have a question about that. Is, is his contract guaranteed or can they, can they drop him and free up that $6 million? Yeah, see, that's the thing. It's not. So it's six point. I think six point five million dollars, and it's dead cap money. So it, it, they can cut them at any point in time. They don't have to cut them today or tomorrow. They can wait. He, you know, that that cap. If he makes the roster, then that goes into effect. I don't think that he'll get that far. I think they'll make a move before. I think the big decision is: Are they going to ask him to renegotiate his contract and take a pay cut? Do they even want to do that? So that's that's the big question mark. All right, now you you've been around the organization up there in Nashville. What what do you make of new coach Mike Vrabel and, and the rest of his coaching staff? I, I would assume there's a lot more belief around the city in this bunch than there was in Malarkey and his group. Yeah, I mean there was a lot of disgruntled Titans fans uh, about Mike Malarkey and Terry Rubisky and the way that that offense worked towards the the end of the year. Uh, so I was at Mike Vrabel's opening press conference. That was kind of the first time we got introduced to him. And a couple of weeks ago, we got a chance to talk to each of the assistant coaches, including the two coordinators. And, you know, I think I came away impressed because I think Mike Vrabel, he's got a lot to prove because this is the first time he's ever been a head coach 
in the National Football League. But I do think that he has that youth and that vigor that can kind of ignite a team to, to do well. And he's he brought in, I think, the right guys. He brought in uh, Dean Pease, which is, was his former defensive coordinator uh, and has been uh, the defensive coordinator of the Baltimore Ravens. A lot of experience, a lot of top ten defenses there. And then and then you've got the new offensive coordinator, uh, Ryan LaFleur, and I think that you know he, what he learned from Jared Goff and Sean McVay, maybe he can attribute that to Marcus Mariota and take the next level because Mariota and company, they won a lot of games last year. I mean, they won nine, nine games. They, the offense did not look good. So they're going to have to kind of reinvent the offense and, and play to his strengths. Matt LaFleur is uh, is a pretty good pickup in my eyes. You know, he interviewed for the head coaching job. I actually thought it was kind of strange that he didn't get the head coaching job, but he accepted a coordinator position. He's worked under Kyle Shanahan for two years, uh, his last three years, and then he worked under uh, Sean McVay, two of what we think of the young, best young offensive minds in football. Um are you shocked that he didn't get a look at the head coaching job or, or he didn't get it? He got a look, obviously he was interviewed. Yeah. I, I don't think that he was ready for that step. I, I personally think John Robinson knew Mike Vrabel was going to be the head coach of the Tennessee Titans before he even talked to a single coach. Oh, wow. Uh, okay. Yeah. I, I think he had his guy uh, because of their past in the new England organization because what he's seen from Mike Vrabel, because of their connection, I don't think LaFleur uh, had a chance. Uh, I, but, you know, obviously they, they had to go find an offensive coordinator and it worked out. And the big thing about LaFleur is he didn't have the ability to call plays in Los Angeles uh, under Sean McVay. He's not going to get a chance to call plays anytime soon because McVay's running that ship. So this gives him an opportunity to come over and groom a young quarterback uh, and Marcus Mariota and kind of put his own spin on it. I mean, he, the offense is going to be his, and he's got a lot of weapons. You know, Delaney Walker, Pro Bowler, Rashard Matthews, uh, almost had 1,000 yards two years ago. Corey Davis, the top five pick. They have some weapons that he can use. It's just about putting them in place and, and having the machine run. You think he's going to open the playbook up, spread it out like they, they were doing in, in – and uh, not, not so much in, in Atlanta, but in L.A.? And, uh, and really kind of go crazy, or is he going to throttle it down a little bit and see what Mariota's got before he gets gets a little too wild? Yeah, I think it's – I mean, it's just – it's really early to say. I do think that they're going to utilize what they know works, and what they know works is Derrick Henry. So they're going to try to establish a running game, and if they can use Derrick Henry like a Todd Gurley – and, and do some screen. I mean, Derrick Henry had <laughs> he had a very long touchdown pass uh, reception against the Jags late in the season on a screen pass. So maybe that opens things up. I, I just I'm gonna we're gonna have to see more in in mini camp and OTAs and how they draft. Uh, it's just it's it's so hard to tell. Only a couple of weeks into the job, when, when we talked to before a couple of weeks ago, he just said he was still in the evaluation process. So. Uh, I can't say that, but I do think that they'll use Derrick Henry first and then kind of work from inside out. Can Mariota stay healthy for 16 games? <laughs> if I knew that, I'd be a rich man. I mean, I mean uh, that's that's really the outlook, right? I mean, can he be a franchise quarterback to lead this franchise 
if he can't stay on the field? I, I, it's hard to answer because he's proven that he can't, right? Yeah. Three years, he has not played a full 16 games. I guess my question and when, is, yeah, I, and I don't mean to interrupt you, but, yeah, just kind of getting to where I was trying to go is it, you got a whole new regime in, same GM, though. At what point do you say, we love this guy, we think he's got everything, but if he can't, if he can't physically do it, when do we pull the string and say we're going somewhere else? What I think that they do is they play a safeguard. Marcus Mariota is the franchise quarterback, regardless of his injury. He's not Jake Locker, but already he's done things that no other Titan quarterback has done. He threw for 26 touchdowns two seasons ago. Vince Young didn't do that. Steve McNair didn't even do that. And God knows Jake Locker didn't do that. So he's already, I think he's proven that he has the juice. It's just about, again, protecting him and putting him in good situations. And the previous coaching staff, including Ken Wisenhunt and Mike Malarkey, they couldn't do that. So can this coaching staff accomplish that and keep him upright while also kind of accelerating his talents? Because he can run. He can, he can uh, he, you know – he can make guys miss in the open field. He, well, he changes can get the game. First downs with his legs. He yeah. can scramble and, and 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 improvise and make plays. But in the NFL, a linebacker can injure day pretty quick with a big time hit. So that's the puzzle that this new coaching staff is going to have to piece together. Well, I love watching him play. He he's dynamic and he's exciting, and I want him to be there. But I I, I you know I've got a lot of ties being you know, to Cleveland and, and that franchise. And, and I'll tell you one of the things that I think cripples teams that are on the rise is, is they, they don't move on quickly. And as soon as you realize you got a broken down car, if he's a lemon, I know it's heartless and I know it's cold, but, but I've been burned before by, by trying to see one more year, let's give him a chance. At what point do you just say, all right, it's time to put him out to pasture and let's find somebody else. Well, I, I think that uh, – so I'm going to jump in here. Um, Mike Shanahan knew what he was doing with the Redskins, right? Correct. So he he drafted – right. well, he didn't want to, obviously. but Dan they, Snyder yeah, drafted they got RG3. RG3, and then in the third round, they took Shanahan's guy. Yes. And RG3 was the guy, but they knew that he was a little fragile. Right, so you you had your backup guy already there. You think Tennessee could do that, Zach? I think that they they're going to have to find a good, solid backup quarterback because Matt Castle proved last year. Alex Taney almost made this team <laughs> because Matt Castle hurt his thumb in July. Yeah, that, Ca- Castle's kind of, yeah wasted. That's that's where they were. So they're going to have to either get it get another experienced quarterback and free agent, which there's you know it's slim and none. Or you're going to have to draft a guy with a similar, maybe skill set to Marcus Mariota to not give him like a quarterback competition, but to you know that they lost that Miami game. They're nine and seventeen. They're ten and sixteen. If Marcus Mariota plays in Miami early in the season, they didn't win because Matt Castle is just no good. Correct. So you got to have that backup, and I think that John Robinson will prioritize that this off season. All right, so let, let's transition to SEC basketball for a little bit. Uh, how in tune with Tennessee basketball is the city of Nashville? Like, I, I know that's a big Tennessee football market, 
Uh, and this basketball team for the last few years has been really tough to get behind. But with the season going well, how much do people there care? I think there's excitement. Uh, as you know, they're playing Florida right now. I think that there's excitement, but it's also kind of a wait and see of the results at the SEC tournament and the March Madness. Because can they make a run, a real run in the SEC tournament and win that thing? I think absolutely. I think it's open. I, I, I Auburn, because of the injury over the weekend, Kentucky's not as good as they are. Florida's not that great. I mean, Texas A&M has underachieved. So all of the Vanderbilt's no good. All of these teams have kind of come back down, and Tennessee finds themselves you know, second in the SEC as a whole. If they can make a run, we talked about this a little this morning, is you know, if Rick Barnes can get them to a sweet 16, I don't think that that's that far-fetched. And I think that that is a, a massive success. But these Tennessee fans, I mean, they're football fans first. But I think once the once the SEC tournament gets going and, and once the March Madness gets going, you'll start to see more orange in the city of Nashville because there's a lot of it here. Now, you, you did kind of answer my question there. Um, the team is, like you, like you said, they're playing Florida right now, uh, literally as we speak. They were trending towards like a top two or three seed after they won at Kentucky a couple of weeks ago. But they've lost two of three. And I know they were on the road, but one of them was a 28-point beatdown at Alabama. So has has Tennessee plateaued? Like the only win that they got in that three game stretch was over over a, a I want to say weak South Carolina team who came out and beat up on Auburn the week or the uh, uh, over the weekend. But it, what can we expect out of them in March? Like is it possible to get to a, a, a Sweet Sixteen? I think it's possible if, if two things happen, and this is well, this is what Tennessee is. Grant Williams. If he has a good game and they can shoot the outside shot, they're gonna they've got a great shot at winning. But what teams in the last three or four games, including that Alabama game and even the Georgia game this past weekend, they shut Grant Williams down and they couldn't rely on their shooting. So those two factors, that's where that's why coaching in college basketball is so important, is because you know, the, the opposition, the, the opposing coach figures out what the other team does well, and they do their best to shut it down. I think that the script is, is written for Tennessee. If they can get Grant Williams going and they can shoot the basketball, I think the 216 is not that far-fetched. But if they start missing their shots and Grant Williams has five points like he did against Georgia on Saturday night, they're not going to make it out of the first weekend. Zach, you have been awesome. We're uh, we're gonna go ahead and let you go. Everybody, go follow him on Twitter. Uh, that's at Bada underscore Bingham, B A D A underscore B I N G H A M. Read his stuff over at A to Z Sports Nashville dot com, and make sure and follow the show on uh, Periscope or Facebook. It's uh, A to Z Sports Nashville. Zach, you've been awesome, buddy. I will talk to you uh, sooner than later, my friend. Thanks, guys. Enjoyed it. All right. All right, yeah, he is uh he's in the know. He knows what's going on there. The way that they started that thing is pretty phenomenal. Like and the fact that we did start up right next to each other, I I knew um I knew about them a few months in, but they are so up to date on everything that goes on in Nashville, right? So we'll probably get him back in to discuss uh, the Predators once we get to a playoff run and all that. Um but I mean there's 
it's so much going on in Nashville now. Predators, you got basketball, you got Vandy and Tennessee basketball, you got uh, the Titans, you know, and then of course Tennessee and uh, and Vanderbilt football, um, or really just any SEC football. Yeah, Nashville is probably the the center of the SEC. I argued for almost a decade for anybody who would listen that uh, that the SEC headquarters should be in Nashville. It's See, I, far more. It's in Birmingham. It's far more centralized being in Nashville, and everyone's argument is as well. It can't be in an SEC school. Listen, if anybody were not afraid of taking like political beans to 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 manipulate their status, it's Vanderbilt. Okay. Yeah. No, that's, you're, you're that's right. the place for it. Um, but I do kind of like Atlanta. I I do because they're moving the SEC media days to Atlanta. Yeah, but that's just because Atlanta's big. I'll tell you, but it's not centralized. Like it's not the most central place in in this in the conference. Nashville is. Nashville is literally the center of where our conference is. All right. So from South Carolina all the way over to Texas A and M, I bet way way more central in Nashville than Atlanta. Really? Yeah. You might be right. I mean, between between Florida and wherever else that. That does make a little bit of sense. Um, I forgot my sound again. Good oh, gracious. We're well, here. We'll do money. Rebel Rags filed a lawsuit against former Mississippi State head coach Dan Mullen, former Mississippi State AD Scott Strickland, who is now the AD at Florida. Both those guys are Florida guys yep. now. And NCAA investigator Mike Sheridan and the NCAA Alleging defamation, civil conspiracy, and commercial disparagement. Now, this all sounds good, right? It, it sounds juicy. I don't know if it sounds good. It sounds... It sounds juicy. Yes, okay. It sounds real juicy. But there ain't nothing that's going to come out of this. This is... Here's, here's what's going on. According you, to Antonio Morales for of the Jackson Cleary and Ledger, Charles Merkel, he's the Clarksdale attorney representing Rebel Rags and owner Terry Warren, said this case was essentially filed as a precaution against a potential argument that the statute of limitations will run out. The old case was filed in what, July? Correct. So, or it may have been August. Either way, it was before the season. Yeah, I was about to say, it was, we were covering it before the season before started. Before the season started. Uh, the original case, which featured uh, several unnamed John Doe defendants, along with Leo Lewis, Kobe Jones, and Lindsey Miller, who's the estranged stepfather of uh, Laramie Tunsil. Um, this is a different one that we'll go back together. They said, uh, the original case, which features several unnamed John Doe defendants, is awaiting a ruling on a petition from the Mississippi Supreme Court. Rebel Rags filed a motion to lift the stay on the case, which would have allowed it to amend the complaint and add those John Doe defendants. So Merkel said Judge John Kelly Luther told him the easiest thing to do since there's a delay in the proceedings, was to file another lawsuit with the unnamed John Doe defendants. Merkel said the two cases will be consolidated. Okay. So this was basically to keep this thing moving. That's that's all it was. So Because it, it had been sitting there ever since they filed it. Like they, There was a motion to dismiss, and there was all this other stuff. But and, and anybody that is an attorney or has friends that are attorneys or whatever, you can get a continuance and just keep on pushing this thing back. You can keep pushing back. The NCAA has done this for years. There's a case from the 2010 USC Reggie Bush case. 
somebody sued the NCAA, that thing still has not worked. Like, there's nothing done with it. It hasn't been finished at all. It Nothing will ever happen with it. Because right. you, you can't prove, retract that. Strike that, go back. You can prove it. It's going to be very difficult to prove collusion here. Am I right on this? Am I losing my mind? No, I mean, yeah. No, I, I don't think anything's actually going to happen. Uh, I think what they're trying to do, it, more so than win the case, is if this thing does go to any type of hearing or trial or anything like that, they're going to be able to subpoena the NCAA and these investigators, and they're going to be able to get some answers as to how you got information that you got. Well, then, all of the stuff that came out, like it, it was already leaked anyway. Well, I know all I, the testimony came, like already came out. I get that, but there's, I mean, obviously, I'm with you that, that they a, could a subpoena leak, the NCAA. A leak is one thing. Putting this, putting the NCAA on trial is something that a lot of people would like to do. I think a lot of people have tried it. I don't think the rubble rags is going to be able to get it done. Oh, but you're probably right because of the exact same reason. Everybody eventually. People get bored and they get sick of spending money on attorneys. It will take somebody that's willing to hold a super long grudge. And then at some point in time, a judge to say, all right, we're going to hear this case. There is no more continuance. You can ask, denied. We're going to hear it. Cameron said, uh, he said, I'm so over rebel rags. What a douche. Not my word. Y'all's. I feel like there's a lot of people like that, but there are a lot of people that listen that, that are all in Terry Warren's corner. Right. And so they uh, look, Terry Warren wants to. He was disassociated. He is still in the process of appealing that he does not want to be disassociated because that is a career killer that will kill his business. Rebel Rags is the biggest Ole Miss apparel store in Oxford. It's not even close. And they make oodles of money. They make enough money that the university flies his plane like his own personal plane i don't know that they made that from rebel rags i think i think we're well, in a different it, situation i think people have money before they start a store like that oh absolutely okay absolutely so let's, let's not act like this apparel but, store is how they made airplane money but it would not be surprising We've nah. gone over. Think about think about us going over. I, I, don't, I don't care. I, I, yes, I know gym shorts that are ninety dollars. It doesn't matter. They don't sell enough of those. I'm telling you, it's just not. That's just not how it is. That's, I'm sure that he had money beforehand. Correct. But I do believe that this would be like. I don't think he would be suing if this was not actually hurting his business. Although I'm willing to bet now that uh, a lot of people are in I, his corner. I was about to say I don't know how much it's hurting his business. I think that's disassociate- one thing that if you if you go to trial, you have to prove that it's hurting your business, right? Yeah. Well, oh, okay. you you have to prove that it did hurt your business. Yeah. So just because he was able to rebound, that's irrelevant to the case. The NCAA and these people that that he is you know alleging did this. They they have the he has the right to say, look, you cost me you know six months worth of revenue. I mean, he, yeah. Just, and I doubt just it was that much. Whatever but- it was, but but I just because I rebounded. It's none of your business. That means I'm a hell of a businessman. Yeah. That you can't fault me for that. No, you I, uh, I can still penalize you. You were right. Because you can always say, well, I could have made more. Yeah, that's right. I could have made more had you not done this. All right. Let's move into the next go-round. 
SEC basketball. Kentucky wins at Arkansas. Mississippi State wins at Texas A&M. And like you said earlier, Ole Miss wins at, at Missouri, Missouri in overtime. Now, one of these wins is not like the other. Yes. Ole Miss had been getting housed ever since Andy Kennedy resigned. And now that he resigned effective immediately. He wasn't on the bench for this game. No. This at, is the first game without him. This was interim coach Tony Madlock, former Memphis Tiger great. He was leading the bunch. But look, they got beat to death by Arkansas at home and at Mississippi State. He quits, and two days later... They go to Missouri. Who has been white hot yeah, lately. Real, real good, real like good. They are, they are a top 25 RPI team. They go to Missouri. High-scoring game. Take them to overtime. Pull it out in overtime. And they win the game. Yeah, on the road. It was a really cool scene to see that with Madlock because it... He, he has never, for whatever the reason, probably because he's been at Ole Miss, he's never gotten the attention to be even like a, a low-major head coach. Correct. Mid-major, you know, any of that. He, he's never really gotten looked at. Uh, but he's always brought up for assistant coaching jobs. But this is cool to see him leading this team, and he's only got a few more chances to do it. Um, I mean, he'll be picked up somewhere. I don't know that he'll be a head coach, but... You know, I mean, there's no telling what Ole Miss's basketball program does. If, if he comes out and wins four straight and then gets to an SEC say, tournament championship. I was going to say, I mean, how far, the SEC doesn't look like it's so crazy that everybody outside of maybe two teams, would it shock you if they won the SEC tournament? It Yes, it would, because they, really? they don't have the talent I'm not talking to be about able to keep just this specific up. Ole Miss. I'm talking about across the board. Everybody other than, like, Vanderbilt, maybe one or two other teams. If, if, if anybody it, besides Vandy and Ole Miss wanted it, it wouldn't surprise me. Okay, so anybody else. Anybody else other than those two. And then even still, with Ole Miss's stuff last night, like, they have beaten good teams earlier yeah. in the year. I mean, it, no, maybe I guess they, I'd be super surprised. I, I don't know that I would be. I just think college basketball is so down. Like, you were, you were shocked that maybe Zach thought – you know, UT making it to a Sweet 16. I think there are 30 teams that are going to be in this tournament that could win the tournament. Uh, you you are probably totally right about that. I really I really believe that. Like, I, it could I be one of those years where off. we have a Butler show up. That's and, right. Because we it, haven't had that in a few years. No, but, but here's the thing. Butler showed up and had to play against two number one seeds in that Final Four. It wouldn't shock me if, if nobody from five up made the Final Four. Just, I can I, it. Just, college basketball has been so weird and crazy. You know, and yeah. this is coming from a guy that doesn't watch. I know that, but I follow along enough. I watch box scores. I watch the three P to Sports Center and listen to everybody else talk about and it. And you watched Ole Miss Missouri last I night. I watched Ole Miss Missouri. <laughs> that was it's a really fun game. It's a really fun game. So. Uh, Mississippi State's going to mess around and make the NCAA tournament. Yeah. I think so. They they won at A and M last well, night, ninety three to eighty one. Still alive for the NCAA tournament because all they have to do is I, win the conference. I think there's going to be nine SEC teams. Do you know? I think nine. That's a lot. I think not. I thought you think eight that before. will be less than ACC. I think the ACC will have nine or eight, depending on what happens with Louisville. Right? Do you think there's any way on earth a selection committee would allow the SEC to have more teams than the ACC? A hundred percent. Okay. I'm just curious. Well, one, because you know the ratings will be bananas if the SEC is in it. I, I see. I don't know. We're, like not, the, we're not basketball schools. No, but but 
people do get behind that stuff when it gets to be March Madness. Like, I, I don't think you have any problem with the cliche, or the cliche, the uh, the cachet of these teams, okay. right? Like, A&M, Mississippi State, like, these are all teams that have been there before, that have done well. They're all big names. Like, you watch what they do during the regular season, there is no small school. But I think State's going to make the tournament. I think, I think there's going to be nine SEC teams. All right. Call them my shot. Right. Call them my shot, just for Cameron. All right, let's talk about the Dallas Mavericks. No, let's not talk about the Mavericks. I want to talk about Kentucky for a minute. Okay. So, Gary Parrish brought up an interesting topic. He said, Cameron brings up on Facebook, 90-plus points. Yeah, y'all have scored 80-plus in four straight games. That is absurd in college basketball, especially in this conference. Like, it's that doesn't happen. Lost a couple of those games. Yeah, but still, they won some. Uh, they won some of the good ones. Um, they they beat the teams that mattered. How's that? Gary Parish. Gary Parish talked about Kentucky. Right, Kentucky suffered a four game losing streak. They won a close game over Alabama, and now Calipari has has found the key to winning games, and that is not playing two of his best like talented players. Right? Like, his prize recruits from this past class, Nick Richardson, uh, Hamadou Diallo, um, they're not playing significant minutes anymore. Against Alabama, they dropped. Against, <laughs> I'm guessing Cameron is talking about uh, about my pronunciation. <laughs> uh, and Cameron on Facebook believes that uh, A&M will no longer make it. I think that they were a top 20 RPI team. Uh, before they lost at home to state, so it, they're still going to get in. Like they'll they'll find a way to beat some bad teams, and then they'll get in. Um, but back to this Kentucky thing. This team is better without the supposed most talented players playing. They went into Arkansas last night and won eighty-seven to seventy-two at Arkansas. Teams have not been going to Arkansas no, and winning. Well, you don't go to Arkansas and put up almost ninety either. No, not a chance. So, I, I'm a little surprised at this, but it also lets me know that all these people that talk all this crap about John Calipari and how he doesn't know how to coach. he doesn't, like Coaching is so much more than X's and O's. Like It is knowing the chemistry on the floor and figuring out how to get the most out of these guys, regardless of whether they're supposed to be the five-star or the three-star or whatever. You figure out the best guys, you figure out what they do the best, and then you go after them. Like, people talk so much crap about Calipari, and it drives me up the wall. Oh, me too. Now, I've been the Calipari defender around Memphis forever. Well, I think okay. I feel like you and I both. Last yeah, year, we I, both went through the same thing, right? I, I love the man. I think he's a really good coach, and I don't have a problem with what he did to leave um, or, or any of that stuff. Here's, here's the thing that bothers me, and it's always bothered me. He's always been a good coach. He's always been a top ten coach. I'm not saying he's the best coach in the country when it comes to X's and O's, but he's a really, really good basketball coach. You don't continuously make as far as you make it the way he has without being a great coach. Nobody looks at Coach K and says, oh, look at the players Duke has. You know, no. they, they give K all the credit. 
They they give, you know, all these other – Roy Williams, all these other great coaches, all the credit. Cal's the only one that they've ever tried to discredit his coaching ability, and I don't understand it. It drives me nuts. It's just pure and total hate. And I get hate. Look, I, I hate on things all the time. I understand. But at some point, you got to realize this guy is going to be a Hall of Fame coach. He is, well, he, he he's is going to be coach. in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, he already is. Oh, he is. already is. That's right. He got inducted last year, wasn't it? Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, he he's that level good, and it's not just he can go get great players. I'm Robin Lundberg, joined by Sports Illustrated. I knew it was going to do this. I Atta swear to you. That's, I'm, I'm pulling up something to discuss for uh, for this next segment. Let's go ahead and jump into that. Let's talk about the Dallas Mavericks for just a minute. I got two topics on them. Okay. First off, Mark Cuban was fined $600,000 for talking publicly on a podcast about how they're actively tanking. First off, he stated he told his team, like the actual players, yes, that uh, losing is the best option. I get it. Like if the roster isn't good enough to make the playoffs, then lose and see what the chances are with the draft. I agree with him. Everybody in basketball agrees with him, by the way. The Grizzlies have been coming out and saying, we're going to try and win every game. Have, but you know... Butcher, we have butchered this beyond belief. Uh, well, not just yet. They lost like seven straight going into the All-Star game. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. They won way too Look, many they, They're on. still tied at the bottom for, for least wins. So that's... We're at least in a position. But you now know, at a matter of fact, like absolute fact that there are other teams tanking. And it's not like we didn't know this before. But, like, you cannot come out and say it publicly. Why not? It's a... Look, I appreciate the honesty. I think the league does not want that said. Then they need to alter how they do business with players. I agree with that. I agree because with that hundred percent. It's an unbelievable market for players to want to go, but they're choosing not to because they yep. want to play their friends and family AAU ball. Bullcrap. Um you get no state income tax, you got an owner willing to spend some cash, and you have one of the coolest, hippest cities in the country. It just happens to be in the center of the country and not on one of the coast. And you know, well, that's not where my BFF plays, and so I'm not gonna go there. Yeah. It's total bull. So, if you don't like it, change the rules. But see, we have we have a commissioner that would rather fine owners obscene amounts of money instead of standing up to players and saying, "Look, you can't just all do this." Yeah. And that's the biggest thing, right? You you want there to be integrity in the games. You want there to be it it's the same reason that they were against and not just them, but the NFL and everything else. You want it to look legit. If there was an owner out there that was going to tank, but that was going to also do the best things he could do to entertain and give the fans value, it would be Mark Cuban. Yeah. I would trust him to say, we're going to tank, and I'm going to be open and honest and public about it. But I want you to come to games because we're going to offer you value on this, 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 and this. We're going to drop tickets. We're going to do lots of stuff. We're going to, stuff. quote, develop our young That's talent. Right. But, but, but we're also going to find a way to show you fans that there's value. I believe and trust in Mark Cuban to do something of that nature because 
he's always been so fan-centric to begin with. The only reason the league is upset about this is because they're afraid of how it's going to, you know, come across to the fans. What do you think fans in Philadelphia who are huge sports fans have felt for the last four years? Oh, yeah. This is not a one- or two-year thing. No, they they knew what they were doing. They they, they called it the... uh, uh, Sam Presti called it the process. Yeah, and it's it, look, spin off of the Nick Saban thing, but it it has worked. I don't. I they don't are fault in the Cuban playoffs as of right now. And I no, think, I don't blame him at all. I and, think it's great that he came out and said. Yeah. And I think Silver's a bum for wanting to find him. If you don't like coaches doing this, if you don't like owners doing this, or general managers doing this, then fix your league. How do you fix it? There's a lot that's of a, That's to a no, no, long topic, nope, isn't it? Nope, but I, I've told you before, I can fix it in two rules. All right. Hard salary cap, zero uh, max contract. They're done. Done. I just fixed the league. Zero max contract. Why Why would you have a maximum contract? You got $100 million to spend on your team. If you want to go offer LeBron $90 million a year, and you want to fill the rest of the roster with $10 million worth of bombs. You should have the right to do that. Nobody would turn down money to go play with their friends if it was real money. See, Kevin Durant turned down money. He took a pay cut, and it was like it was $7 like, million dollars in the course of a $30 million deal. Nobody cares. Yeah, but because somebody, he gets that back in endorsements. But if somebody offered him $50, $60 million, you, you can't walk away from that. I just fixed the NBA's problem. He's, uh, Cameron said you're going to come see Cameron at draft room on the pinnacle level. Hey, I'm in. That's actually not a bad idea. Maybe for the uh, for the draft or whatever. Cam, get a little selfless plug on our on our podcast. Hey, there. down with that. I'm in with it. So, oh, hey, look, Cameron's in here actually being a participant. No, he's good. I'm just Everybody else want to come in and listen and not say nothing. No, it's okay. Look, we'll, hey, hey, don't hate on the people listening no, not no. saying nothing either, Gary. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm just saying, look, off. we'll give y'all a shout-out, too. Just come in and hang out. Talk to us a little bit. And go see Cameron. Go see Cameron. All right. So let's uh, let's talk about this. All right. Uh, The the dirty one. More serious stuff. Yeah. Uh, There is a... I don't know how to describe it. Um, it, Anywhere, it's... They call it a corrosive workplace culture in Sports Illustrated. And this was an insanely well-written... Very well researched article Correct. that Sports Illustrated put up. John Wortheim and Jessica Luther have been working on this apparently for a while. Um, I I just look. I, I just want to read the beginning of this. Okay, it was an hour or so before tip off. The Dallas Mavericks were hosting a nationally televised game during the 2010-2011 NBA season, and deep inside the American Airlines Center, a recently hired Mavericks support staff employee was eating dinner in the media dining room. As the woman sat down, the team president and CEO, Terdima Useri. I'm hoping to God that I got that knocked out. Uh, He asked if he could join her. She grew nervous, not because Useri was her boss's boss or because he was one of the most prominent figures in the Dallas sportscape. It was because his reputation as a serial sexual harasser of women preceded him. At this meal with ESPN crew members seated nearby, Useri stuck up an unusual conversation. As the woman recalls the exchange, Useri claimed that he knew what she was going to do over the coming weekend. When the woman asked confusedly what Useri meant, he smiled. 
You're going to get gang-banged, he asserted, aren't you? This totally makes me uncomfortable, by the way. Uh, no, the woman responded, caught off guard. Uh, caught off guard. Actually, I'm going to the movies with friends. No, Yusari insisted, you're definitely getting gang-banged. The, the employee was startled, but not entirely surprised. When she first accepted her job, I just lost it. Good God, am I? <laughs> when she first accepted her job with the Mavericks in 2010, she'd shared the news with her local Dallas women's running group. Instead of congrats, she recalls she received warnings. Watch out for the president, one friend said. Whatever you do, don't get trapped in an elevator with him. There's way more yes. of this stuff. And it wasn't just him. So there was a, uh, a staff writer for Mavs.com that uh, was arrested and charged with domestic assault that was not fired back years ago. And then he started dating a woman in the workplace, which was actually encouraged with the Mavericks. And he assaulted her as well. Arrested, all that kind of mess. Never lost his job. The woman works in the office with him. Never lost his job. Yuseri, all this stuff started coming out. So nobody knew exactly what happened. He took a job with Under Armour and it was some super long title and all this kind of mess, but it, it didn't seem right because he was kind of being groomed to possibly take over instead of Adam Silver. For commissioner. Yes. That All right, that's where I was going to go with some of this. Like a, a lot of the league and a lot of the media right now is wanting to, to crush Dallas. Dallas is not the only people involved that knew this guy and knew about him and looked into him. Yeah. Because the league, the NBA, he was one of the runners to get the commissioner job when uh, Stern stepped down. The, the, the deal this, at Under this Armour, te- by the this way? This tells me that he, this is not a Dallas problem. This is an NBA problem. Yeah, I don't think that this is just going on in Dallas. Right. And, and we knew eventually with all of this Me Too stuff happening that eventually it was going to hit the sports world, and it already did with a few other cases, right? Like it... Sean White and it, all this other stuff, right? But, there there but, are people calling for Cuban to have to sell the team. I think you have to figure out, because he, he's got plausible deniability right now, but once they do an investigation and they start to figure out, all right, what did he know? Why didn't he do anything? Why was this guy in such a position of power and nobody ever did anything? It drives me insane just thinking about it. Yeah, it's it's hard to think about, and it's really hard for me because I I love Mark Cuban, and I'm always I, I guess because because I like him, I read all his stuff, I follow a lot of his business stuff, and which well, a lot. I, I will say this: so this happened back in 2010, 2011, right? Mm-hmm. Same time as all the Michigan State stuff that everybody brought up on Outside the Lines. So all of this is being brought up, but back seven, eight years ago. It was a different world. Yeah. It, it, you're doing crime for something that... That happened while, seven, eight years ago. While it was wrong then, it just wasn't seen the same. And that's sad. That's like that's, it's, it's entirely different. I'm not justifying it. I'm not making excuses. I'm just saying that... You're people, entirely right. 
people didn't see it the same. And you're right, it is uncomfortable. And it, it's not Especially like, for, for two guys to sit up here and talk about yeah. with, with no no woman's voice, no female voice to 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 kind of to gauge. So Cuban and Izzo, if we just group them together, they did not actually commit the crimes. They didn't do anything, but what but they're it is getting entirely in possible for is because they didn't do anything. Yeah, like you, you should have done something. And I think that we're not going to run into this problem nearly as much going forward. Oh, I, I, I completely agree with you. I, I think th- if somebody does something this blatant, they are going to get called out to a point where they're going to be untouchable, unhirable. The fact that there was rumors about this guy would wouldn't even they would never even make it to rumor stage with yeah. somebody in today's world. And that's that's what's so that's a good thing. Yeah, that's not a bad thing. That is a positive. No, it's thing. definitely a good thing. It is. Uh, it, but it's what are we going? Doing, what do we do with stuff that happened a decade ago that we're trying? That's weird. Yeah, right. That that these guys said, look, we've got we've got an image to to you know take care of. You go away, and I'll, I don't I'll, I don't want to make light of this. No, I'm not. But I'm not. but no no no, I'm I'm with you. But I, looking at it from a different perspective, it's kind of like you have to parent your child, right? If if, or, or say you're coaching a team, or you've got a you're a teacher, um, you got to make an example of somebody to let them know that you're serious, right? Yeah. So do you make an example of the one that happened ten years ago that you just found out about? Because you can't make an example of the Usari guy anymore. No, he doesn't because work for he, you. Well, one, he doesn't work for you, and two, like Under Armour can't fire him anymore because he already quote resigned or whatever. He's like got his own business or whatever, but they tried to reach him for. Uh, for a comment, and he was on sabbatical. Yeah, like they already knew that this was coming. You gotta. I like Cuban. You gotta do something. Like whatever the investigation finds out. Like, and if it's not Cuban, it'll be the next one. But somebody will be made an example of, and it ain't gonna be pretty. And it's probably gonna be somebody that we like. Maybe. I mean, that's that's what I would assume. I don't know. There's a lot of people I don't like in sports. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> so there, there is all the FBI stuff we're going to have to deal with and all that. So that's in college basketball. And, and that's <sighs> good, great. There was another article that came out today. We'll have to talk about it on Monday. And so, but it is interesting. It, basically, the quote that I took from it that you, this is off topic, but quote that I took from the story anybody that had a first round draft pick in the last three years needs to be really worried. Wow. Kentucky had like, what, 12, 13 of them? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so we'll see what happens with that because it, it was not just Adidas oh, you and mean stuff. To, you mean to tell me that just squeaky clean, good old boy, nice, sweet guy, Coach K? No way. No way. I don't believe it. How insane would that be? It wouldn't be insane. It happens. It's happening right now. He's just as dirty as everybody else. He's just got a great smile. And he's old. So everybody likes him because he's old. And he coaches Team USA. He did things the right way for so long. Then he sold his soul to the devil, and we just act like that's okay. (laughs) Bill Street Music Festival. We're going to close out the show with this. We got just to be. No, I want to play a game. Oh, Lord. This ought to be a lot of fun, all right? I'm going to lose at this game. No, it's it, well, you probably will. I'm going to lose. You probably game. will, but this is, uh, I, I want to see how many of these bands you actually know. 
All right. So we're we're just gonna go through headliners. All right. All right. Okay. We'll do headliners got a first, chance. and then and then I'll start talking about some of the the smaller ones that are uh, direct support or whatever. Uh, Queens of the Stone Age. No. So by the way, this is happening in Memphis, Bill Street Music Festival. Obviously, Bill Street, Memphis. Da 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 da. So if you're listening elsewhere, first off, we appreciate you. Hit that share button. Uh, <laughs> Gary, and sorry make sure for, you subscribe to the uh, talking podcast. Talking bad about you earlier. Um, but this is. In Memphis, I have gone literally 19 years straight. I started going when I was 15 years old, 1998. You played in the music festival before, haven't you? I played three times. Okay. 2009, 2012, 2015. Every three years. I should have known those. So, I no, you shouldn't. There's <laughs> Terrible friend. If, if it wasn't every three years, there's no way I would have gotten it. Got it. Um, but we, uh, yeah, no, we had a good time. It's always fun down there. Uh, there's bands that you will have never heard of that you end up falling in love with. It happens to me every year. At, like, I saw Sturgill there last year. It was great. It was the last time I got to see Soundgarden before Chris Cornell died. Um, it, it's always something interesting going on down there. So here are the headliners for Friday, May the 4th, which is the day after my son's due date. So the odds of me actually getting to go to Memphis in May are slim to none. This year. So making it a 20th straight year is probably not going to go well. But I'm going to try. He can, he can hold out for like two days. It, well, it, holding out, won't, I, need him, I need him born a week early now. No, 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 no. <laughs> a week early won't help. I promise you. A week early is not going to help. I know, you. but it, it, if, we're, if we're running late, then holding I can't out. be that far away from the wife because... Look, like I went it, to a Super Bowl party like the day before my wife gave birth to our first child. That's a Super Bowl party at somebody's house. It's different. Trying to get you've been know. to Memphis and May before, yeah. right? All right, so you have to park way up on Bill Street or way on the south end. You got to walk for twenty minutes to get down there. So if something emergent happens, it's not going to be like an emergency. It's like, hey, the baby's coming. All right, I'll be there in an hour. If it, it's look, not going to slide out in like five minutes. First man. off, first off, this is <laughs> this is my. I, I like that my wife just chimed in. <laughs> she just she, she just joined. Look. This is her first child? Yes. This was our first child. So so me leaving to go downtown the day after the due date, if the child is not here, not going to go well. All right. You think you leaving the week after the baby is here is going to be fine. You just... All right. Let's... Going with the game. Her mama will be here. That's fine. Okay. You're right. <laughs> it probably won't go well either. You're right. Oh, I see. She You're immediately right. jumps in and says... Hmm. I got you, Jess. I got I'm in you. I'm in so much trouble already. All right. All right. So let, let's, let's go over this. Is. Friday, May 4th, the headliners that night, Queens of the Stone Age. Have, have you ever heard of I have never heard of Queens of the Stone Age. I love Queens of the Stone Age. They are fantastic. What was there was a band you used to play with called <laughs> Rage, Ra- Rage, no, Rage the, Against the Stone Age. Rage Against the Stone Age. Yeah, so it's All Rage right. Against the Machine, Queens of the Stone Age. Oh, she said uh <laughs> Well, said uh, uh, one week after is not okay either. Uh, what did Cameron say? Oh, two weeks uh, early. Good, uh, solid cushion. I'm in. Uh, see, early. all right. So Ben's in. Good band. Queens of the Stone Age. They are fantastic. I love that band. All right. Uh, Alanis Morissette. I really hate that Ben chimed in because he's going to be so <laughs> disappointed with me. Uh, yes, I know who Alanis Morissette is. All right. So we're one for two. Um, Tyler the Creator. No. So he's like a rap hip hop guy. Okay. He's he's pretty young, like 26. Any anybody that's not like my age or older, I'm not. I, I will tell you this: 
Um, it's some of these, like the the smaller bands, I have not heard of. But if I had not been so involved in the music industry, there would be no chance. Okay. See, I don't listen to Tyler the Creator all the time, but like he had his own show on uh, MTV for a little while. It was like sketch comedy kind of stuff, whatever. Um, but he he's like a hip hop guy. I, you could compare him to uh, like Donald Glover, right? Um, all right, <laughs> all right, all right. Anyway. Um, it's <laughs> <That is laughs> ridiculous. Uh, Childish Gambino, come on, man. No, no, nothing. No. What is that? What well, do they Don- do? Donald Glover was on. That's, uh, that's Italian dudes, right? Childish Gambino. Yeah. No, that that is Donald Glover. Oh, He's I a don't rapper. Know who that is. Okay. Oh my god. <laughs> He's not playing this year. He played last right. year, but uh, he won like Gambino a Grammy. Gambino was very Italian. Come well, on. Well, yeah. Yeah, but that. it's it's his alias. It's his music name. All right. Um, he's in a bunch of shows. He, like, he's the executive producer and lead actor, maybe the director of that show, Atlanta, that's on FX. Okay. Bill yeah. Simmons has him on his radio show all the time. Yeah. yeah he's awesome. Uh, Saturday, May 5th, Jack White. No. You don't know the White Stripes? No. The Raconteurs? No. Holy cow. All God. of these he's, are the same people? He's the Yeah, well, he's the lead singer, he's the lead of, all singer of them. He's the lead singer for all those guys. But he's, he's solo right now so it's just jack white but he is massive he's doing like arenas and whatnot selling but tickets for like 150 of bucks songs at all you gotta remember i don't listen to the radio i don't uh, listen to so white stripes you, you every time you go to a, a game of any sort uh you know the song is like dun 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 yeah okay dun, i know that song i don't know wichita all yeah, right all that all right. that's him uh logic no he is a white rapper uh, he's got the song that was, it's like 1-800-something. It's the Suicide Prevention Line. Uh, the only two white, white rappers I know is Eminem and Machine Gun Mike. And that's it. It's Machine Gun Kelly. Kelly, whatever. <laughs> See, I didn't even know that guy. I didn't even know that guy. Oh, that's good. Uh, <laughs> Inc- Incubus. Yes, I love Incubus. All it's right, a 90s so, band. So we got two out of six uh, like so far. Like a 2000s band. Um. No, they were they were late nineties. Late nineties. Yeah, we were in high school when they. Uh, okay, when they, yeah. I was right then. Uh, Post Malone. No, sir. All right, so he's like huge. I love this. Cameron's like, oh my god, <laughs> huge like like me huge or huge like Ric Flair huge. Like, all right, I'll, I'll tell you this. He is like an ugly. Um, oh, okay. Let's. I'll jump into that in just a second, Ben. Um, <laughs> see, Cameron's saying, oh my god, like you don't know who Jack White is. Like shut, that's, up, shut up, Cameron. I, I, I bet you'd probably enjoy his stuff. He's like I a probably, phenomenal I guitar player. I probably would. I just don't listen to much music. Post Malone is a really unattractive white rap pop guy. Okay. That that's, blew up on YouTube. Sounds like somebody I would not want like to Like one, one of his singles has almost a billion plays on, on YouTube. Wow. And that doesn't include Spotify. It's just one video on YouTube. It's crazy. Uh, ben asked what over my 19 years what my favorite act at Music Fest was in 2000 I want to say it was 2002 it was the year after we graduated high school uh, Stone Temple Pilots headlined uh, the main stage on a Sunday night and you want to talk about perfect weather perfect weather at sun's going down it's probably 70 degrees outside like awesome breeze coming through and they came out and it's it wasn't one of those where they've got like big lighting rigs and all that kind of crap all over the place. The music, well, yeah, MGK is a Cleveland guy, Chris. Yeah, that's how I knew that guy. It's not Machine Gun Mike. Uh, all right, so yeah, Ben saw STP. So STP opened up with uh, "Shine On You Crazy Diamond," the Pink Floyd song, 
And I have never felt more at peace in my life. It was the most surreal. Like the sun is perfectly setting over the river. And it was unbelievable. It was so good. I I loved that so much. Yeah, Scott had such amazing stage presence. He did. He so, absolutely did. So I can actually answer that question too because I used to go to Memphis and May. Okay. Back before I got old and crotchety. And I actually saw this show with Cameron. And I couldn't tell you what year it was. It's too long ago. <laughs> I'll but, probably remember. But one stage... We didn't leave that stage. We got there Saturday evening, North Mississippi All-Stars. Was this the Dave Matthews year? Nope. No? Jack Johnson. Immediately after Jack Johnson was Ben Harper, which was my favorite show I've ever seen at Memphis and May ever. Was Three Doors Down? Three Doors Down closed it out. One stage, four back-to-back-to-back. We got closer and closer and closer to the stage after every one, finished off right at the front. That was my favorite night, and the weather was perfect. No weather rain, was no perfect. mud. That's, I was... Uh, my favorite night at Memphis <laughs> May ever. I, I like that. Ben brings up 3-6 Mafia. Uh, we played with 3-6 Mafia, like the same stage. They stole our fried chicken. Like, <laughs> and as stereotypical as that may sound, they literally did. They tried to swap out. Like, they got club sandwiches or something. And while we were on stage, they came and got our <laughs> catering out of our dressing room and took it. So I went in, and like I, I barely knew DJ Paul at all. And I wouldn't do this now, but I was a lot cockier back then. But I went in, and I said, Paul, why'd you steal my chicken, man? <laughs> and all of them busted out laughing. Like, it, it was that stage. That was 2009. Uh, and it was raining its rear end off. Um, but, yeah, I, uh, it, was, it, it was us, Prosevere, 3-6 Mafia, Snoop Dogg, and he had flown in three Playboy playmates with him just for that show just just to hang out with him like they they weren't even really around snoop but he flew him in that's right so and they were hanging out but they they hung out with us too and i felt pretty good about that um and then 311 closed out that night but um but yeah what you're talking about was 2003 and my second band every passing second actually played the stage that was up on bill uh the wc handy park or whatever yes yeah, so I, we played up there early. I remember early. that, because I thought, like, hey, we should have gone seen Gary beforehand. Yep. And so we, we had we that played conversation. There. Yeah, Cameron, did. it was awesome. It was awesome. Um, but yeah, Stone Temple Pilots was great. Um, seeing uh, Shinedown and Corn together was really cool back in like, oh, that might have been 09. Uh, the year after that, 30 Seconds to Mars opened for Limp Bizkit. In 2010, and this was after Limp Bizkit was like already old and a joke and all that, but there were so many people that you would never have believed would claim to listen to Limp Bizkit, and they were a blast. Uh, one year, I remember going to see Willie Nelson open for uh, the Black Crows, and that was another one of those where it was perfect weather, and the sun is setting right into the Mississippi. If and, you get the oh, good man. weather and a good show, it that is really hard to beat. It just happens so rare. Yeah, I mean, it's it's normally raining and whatnot, and I, I used to go out there in my mud boots and all that kind of mess, but look, after we started playing and whatnot, like, at, oh, another one, Deftones and Alice in Chains back in, like, 2013 or whatever. That was a damn good one. Ooh, Deftones were on fire. Let's get back to all the right, game. So back to this. Um, Post Malone, you said you don't know. Uh, we already went over him, so you are two out of seven of the headliners. Odessa. No. Two out of eight. They are like an electric, uh, uh, it's an EDM band, electronic dance music. Um, 
they're like it's all electronic but it's just mainly like a huge light show right so okay. like that's what a lot of kids are into now Erica Badu no I couldn't tell you a song but I know Erica Badu she's like huge R&B okay um so like they they've got a lot of stuff hit on this uh let's jump into like a, a few more cake you know cake I know who cake is third eye blind yes dashboard confessional yes clutch no love clutch clutch is so good so good uh yeah it hey Cameron brings up Incubus. Incubus was really good. They, I, I saw them in 2002, 2001, 2002, something like that. Either way, Puddle of Mud opened up for them. I didn't really they care for Puddle awful. of Mud. Yeah, didn't I've, care for I've them. I've seen them twice there. Probably my hate, most hated show. Yeah, they're times. they're pretty they're pretty not good. Uh, but I, I went, uh, it was the year that Hoobastank actually opened up one of the stages. Great. They played like 3 o'clock. It was awesome. Uh, let's do Ludicrous. Yeah, I know who Ludacris is. All right, David Byrne? No. All right, so David Byrne used to be the lead singer for the band The Talking Heads. Okay, I've heard of them. So that's like an 80s alt-pop. Yep, I know them. Uh, Government Mule? I've heard of Government Mule. I've never heard them. They are great. I've heard So Warren Haynes is the lead singer. That's a band that I would like. Oh, man, Ben brings up the Foo Fighters. I saw the Foo Fighters there in 04, and it was raining its rear end off. I have missed them every time they've come to town, and everybody, I I do like the Foo Fighters a lot. You need to go see the Foo Fighters. I'm a huge Foo Fighters fan. I've seen them every time they've come to town, except for the first time in, like, 95, I was was 12 years old, and they played at the Daisy. Yeah. You didn't (laughs) want to see them then anyway. No, I, I actually did because I was like into Nirvana and all that, so I wanted to see them. But uh, but my pops wouldn't uh, wouldn't take a twelve year old to Bill Street at the time. A good little dad little move. did he know I would end up living on Bill Street basically. Good dad for uh, for like fifteen years. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, God, they threw me off, man. Oh, government mule Warren Haynes used to be in the Almond Brothers. Oh, okay, fantastic. Yep, fantastic. Vance Joy. No. Sir. He sings that song, uh, The Fire and the Flood. It's like a, a pretty recent, like, big top ten hit. Sorry. You're the fire and the flood. Anyway, it's real easy listening kind of I like to listen to Gary sing. <laughs> I crowd surfed and lost a shoe at Hoobastank. Oh, there you go, Riptide. Yeah, Riptide. So, uh, Chevelle? Yes. Action Bronson. No. You would love Action Bronson. Right, so he's a white rapper with like a huge beard, but okay. it's he's a redhead. So it's right. like a big red beard. Oh. He's about your size, and he does a cooking show, and he's a rapper. All right, he is fantastic. He's so much fun. Uh, All time low, no sir. Al Capone, no sir. I mean, Al- I know who Al Capone is, but Al Capone, Al Capiz, Lord T, Eloise. Oh, uh, wait a minute, I know who Lord T and Eloise is. Yeah, Al Capone does a lot of stuff. You've I've probably seen Al Capone then. And so, because Al, Al Capone does a lot of stuff I, with them. I went strongly against my will, by the way. Hey, but you, but you loved it, didn't you? Yeah. Yep. Flaming Lips? I've heard of them. I've never heard any of their music. They. I've uh, heard people talk about a band named Flaming Lips. You just don't forget that. So, they have a their, their biggest song was like back in the early 90s. It was like, uh, uh, she likes tangerines. It was big on 96X okay. like forever ago. Anyway. Uh, all right. So what am I missing here? Oh, the Foo. Oh. Back to Foo Fighters. I saw them in 2000. I skipped our junior prom for that to go see Foo Fighters. That's probably a good move. And it, it like the crowd was so. It was the the first and last time that I have ever crowd surfed because it was so tight. 
down in there, and everybody was pushing for it. Brian Adams opened up, and everybody hated Brian Adams. Now, I like Brian Adams, but not before a Foo Fighters show. But everybody's piling in, <laughs> yeah, right? This was 2000. Like a, that seems like a scheduling error. Everybody's piling in, and I was, like, I'm short now. I was shorter then. And every, once everybody squeezed together, I got picked up. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Chris and Action Bronson need to cook together. Hey, I'm going to show you that, by the way, when we get done with the show. Our, our we're, cooks, we're running our long, but this is entertaining. Um, so I get picked up, and you can't move, and my feet won't touch the ground. <laughs> and it's the crowd is, like, swaying back and forth, and they are ripping down. Like, you remember you used to be able to go up on the uh, bluff and everything yeah. to, like, sit and watch the shows? Well, everybody was doing that and whatnot, but there was a fence like right in the middle to allow people to try and get out. Well, they were ripping down the fence, and they were pushing in, and I w- it was swaying back and forth, back and forth, and man, I almost lost it. Like it, I don't remember getting that anxious, but I I, I won't go down on like it, down front for shows. It, very rarely will I do that now, and I have to know that the crowd is not going to like bum rush the stage. That's right. Because I'm not getting into one of those tight spots to where I can't get out anymore. Like, forget that. I ain't in with it. I I, I never thought I was claustrophobic. I think I might be because of that. But I, I told my buddies, I said, get me up and get me out of here. And I crowd surfed to the back and I watched the show from the back. There you go. That's I had to do it. That's where I like to be. Uh, let's see. Franz Ferdinand? No. I keep I get them and the killers confused all the time. They had a big a big hit like how many years ago? Uh, Juicy J, no. From three six, you know Juicy J. Why did, I don't know. Oh, any you know of that the you know that three uh, six. You know, know that, three uh, six. You know that Katy Perry song, uh, uh, E. T. Probably not. Like the extraterrestrial thing. Oh yeah, 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 okay. Yeah, so he he was the the rapper on that one. All right, uh, Luke Combs. Country music guy. He okay. uh, he sings that hurricane song. To- totally off of what I was going to guess. Uh, Young Dolph. No. My favorite one on this is Andrew WK. What Chris? I don't know. Oh, the fact that you didn't know who Juicy J was. Oh, yeah, you're from Memphis and you don't know who Juicy J is. I'm, I just don't little... know. I don't know their names. I don't know these people. <laughs> I know who three. If you said, oh yeah, you know yeah, who yeah. Three ben, ben said Dark Horse. Dark Horse, not ET. Oh. Dark Horse. Sorry. Sure. My bad. Like I feel like I'm supposed to know that. I'm not a big Katy Perry, Katy Perry person. I'm, I don't know her catalog. Sorry. I don't know all of her catalog, but I will tell you this. I know. I was a big fan. I know. Yeah, ET was Kanye. You're right. You're right. Let's go. I don't know if he's right or not. I'm lying. I'm lying straight. I know Jimmy my Eat World's playing. No, Jimmy Eat World's playing at the Daisy like May 13th. Oh, they're not playing. He's not playing that. No. Wow. Oh. Now there's a lot of stuff surrounding it. Like the Foo Fighters oh, are literally good. playing the night before Music Fest starts at the Forum. Oh. May 3rd. So the Foo Fighters are on the day that my son is due, and I've got tickets. So, <laughs> Well, how about how about we work something Look, out? Look, if I, if I don't get to make it, ten- tickets. If, if, uh, I'll tell you what. Our buddy Dan, okay. you know, uh, head Does Memphis Rifle Coach. Because I don't have anybody else. Well, Dan, Dan's already gone, so oh. it's me and him. He bought a ticket. I bought a ticket. That was our plan. If Dan will but hang out with me. If okay. uh, if I can't go, you got it. You I'll got to see the Foo Fighters. Oh, man. All right. This is a fun show. I liked it. Yeah, he did. Ben brings up best show. I love Jimmy Eat World. Jimmy Eat World yeah. is really good. I, love I thought that they were going to be there because that was like one of the They're, nights I was going to say, hey, maybe I'll go down to see them. Nah. nah. There's not a lot of people that I would go fight Bill Street for on this. 
Oh, no, hey, we're, we're back. We're back. Yeah, we're we're good. I I thought it died for a second. Right at the but, end. Um, yeah. No, I, there's a lot that I want to go see. I'm probably not going to get to. I would love to. Uh, but th- I think they did a pretty good job this go around. I like these games where I'm trying to figure out who you know and who you don't know. We we learn a lot about Listen, people. I would bring stuff that I know a lot about that you know nothing about in to ask you, but then everybody in the world would know, and I'd be too embarrassed or ashamed. So I'm going to get into the who won the Tonys and the musicals. We're, yeah. not, we're not doing that. Not yeah, doing see, that. I, I would not have a clue. I'd and guess. But I would. I would know them all. Oh, yeah. I would know them all. I, I would at least have heard of the uh, of the musicals, of the plays. Well, yeah, because most of them are made out of, like, big stories that we grew up listening to. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Cameron says he's going to buy a ticket. I'm in. I'm down. Cameron right. working. This was a lot of fun. You guys know what to do. Go share the podcast. Share the live stream. Share Periscope. Help us out. Hook a brother up. All we need is a share. That's it. That's what I'm talking about. Subscribe, review on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, all your favorite podcast apps. We are going to be back on Monday. We're taking a few days off. I'm about to go and finish watching Alabama and Auburn play basketball. I have no idea what the score is. I know it was 40-35 to 35 at the half Auburn. Uh, so we'll see what happens with that and with Tennessee and Florida. And we doing Monday night. Sure. I'm glad Zach came on with us from uh, A&T. A-N- A2T. A to Z. Sports. A2Z. I'm sorry. <laughs> we're, we're both getting tongue-tied tonight. It's all good, though. All right, we will get you guys on Monday. Have a good weekend. It's time for the rundown. Remember, check out winningcureseverything.com. You can give us a like on Facebook, facebook.com slash winningcureseverything. You can follow us on Twitter, at winningcures. You can follow myself, at Gary WCE. You follow me at Chris B. Giannini, C-H-R-I-S-B-G-I-A-N-N-I-N-I. You can also email the show that's winningcureseverything at gmail.com. And we now have a voicemail line. That number is 551-226-9899. If you want to call and bash us for talking bad about your favorite team or praise us or just tell us about how awesome your team is doing, leave us a voicemail. That number again is 551 551- 226-9899 and we may toss it on the show. Thank you for supporting this show and until next time, have a good one guys. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.